0: do you make an introduction what what do you want people to know about you what's important what defines you who are you what is that second and that third sentence that goes along with introducing yourselves to other people you know we we just had all these core groups this last week and at some point i watched people come into the room at ours and they didn't all know each other and they had to take the time to kind of introduce each other and there is that moment of awkwardness that goes along with that i i can remember being a youth pastor and and people sometimes are very awkward about that moment of having to introduce themselves to other people now if you're jordan you don't feel that way when we've taken jordan on missions trips all of a sudden he'll disappear because he's made new friends it's like hey jordan we and I do you go somewhere i'm finishing up coffee with these people yeah i that i just randomly met down the street from where we are but but that's a big deal how do we introduce ourselves? And it's interesting that in the New Testament and all of the of the letters of the New Testament, it, they always start, most of them, with an introduction. And it's interesting what they say. And so today we're going to start studying a new book of the Bible. And I, I'm, I'm going to promise you it doesn't have 50 chapters, so we won't be in it the whole year. Maybe. But we're going to start looking at Second Peter, and Second Peter starts with an introduction. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ. We're going to unwrap a little bit of what this means here. Think of that. This is what, as as he wrote this letter to the people in Asia Minor, and as This was the second letter that he'd written to them. This is how he introduced himself. It's interesting that the first name that he gives here is his Jewish name. It's his given name, Simon. That's who he was. There are a whole group of people that that's probably how they know him. They, they don't know Peter, they just know Simon. They met Simon, they spent time with Simon, they bought fish from Simon, maybe they went fishing with Simon, they sold Simon boats, all of those different kings, they knew Simon. And Simon was from the area of Bethsaida or Capernaum, right there on the edge of the Sea of Galilee where he lived. He was a businessman. He was a man that... Um, had employees. He was a man who had an opinion. We'll find out that this never changes about Simon. He always has an opinion. But some people knew him as Simon. Or Simeon. That's who they knew him as. They knew him as this Jewish person. But when he met Jesus, Jesus changed his name. And he says, Your name shall be Peter. Or Petra which means rock and in other words you're going to be a rock for me you're going to stand up for me and and some of us probably if we're honest our names have changed over the years if you went back to my college friends I got the nickname Maynard and and Everybody called me Maynard, and there are certain people that if I ran into them at Moody Bible Institute, people from my class, they'd go, how are you Maynard? Because they don't know that my name is Jim. If we went back to American Express, when you got your name tag there, they, they took your name that you put on your application, the name that was on your driver's license, and so all of those people would know me as James, Because that's what it was. It was really kind of weird because most of my life I've been Jim. And I can remember when people would go, James. And I'd be like, who in the world are they talking to? And then I'd realize they were talking to me. And over time, I got used to that. But Jesus came in the name Peter. We'll, We'll talk about that. And then he talks about two things because this is usually what we do. Is we talk about what we're about, Okay. So when I introduce myself, probably in the first sentence or two, I'm going to tell you I'm a pastor because that's what I do. You know, that's my job. In the same way you might tell them that you're a teacher's assistant or an accountant or you're going to tell them that you you work someplace or you have a certain job or maybe you have a kind of job that's hard to explain so you give a short, but then you have to add the third sentence to explain the second sentence of what you do. He explains two things about himself. He explains, first of all, to these people that he's writing to that he is a servant. That means that he has a master, doesn't it? We'll read about that master, and we'll see how he felt about his master in just a little bit. But he was also an apostle of Jesus Christ. He was appointed a sent one. He was somebody that had been given a special title. And we'll read that story today of how we got that title. This is how he introduced himself. But what's more interesting is the next part of the verse. Listen to what he says. To those who have attained a faith of equal standing with ours. I I love that, don't you? He wasn't saying, I'm an apostle, I'm at another level, I'm the pope, I'm a bishop. You know, you're down here, you're just a little person, I'm a big person. Have you ever been introduced to someone that makes you think you're a little person? Oh, you just work there. I am the vice president of everything important, you know? But he talks to these people in this group of churches that he is going to speak to. And this is interesting because we believe that this is the last letter that Peter ever wrote. So in this are the last things that he was saying. We believe that right now, while he's writing this, he's in Rome and he's in prison. And he's probably pretty close to death. In fact, he'll talk about that in this passage that we're going to read over the next couple of weeks. But he turns to the people that are around him, and the things that he wants to tell them is that we're on the same level. We have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours. Wow, that's amazing. Think about how we're gonna read the stories today of some of the things that Peter did. He seems like he's at, you know, if there's tears, he's at another tear, right? But he wanted the people to understand that they were all on the same level. This is really something very interesting. I think this is something important. You need to understand that if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, there are no levels. Okay, There's no classes. There's no way of being at a certain place or another place. We're all on the same playing field. And the thing that put us on the same failing field is faith this gift that God has given us. And I I think that there is this sense that occasionally you get the feeling around some groups of Christians that there's levels, you know. Well, I'm a deeply spiritual Christian, or I'm a person that has special gifts, or I'm a person that did this or that, or I, I went to this place, or I've done this place. And we are constantly trying to figure out the pecking order of things, right? And in the world today, because of our pride, we are always trying to figure out a way that we're not at the bottom of the pecking order, right? But he's getting rid of the pecking order right here. And I I think that this is really exciting, that that we need to know that we're all in an equal standing before God. Isn't that cool? Come on, you've all been in the world of favorites, right? And some of you have had the opportunity to be a favorite, and some of you have been, uh, had the opportunity to not like a favorite. You know, we're either in one of those categories, right? But here he is, he's talking about us, and he says that we all have faith, and that gives us an equal standing before God. You need to know that today. You need to know that your standing with God is at the same place as other people standing with God. That because of faith, we all are in the same place. Why? Is it because of something we've done? No, it's because of what Christ has done because when christ died on the cross he forgave all of our sin so we're the same amount of holy every one of us this is really important because i think that the word of god tells us to be holy as god is holy but that's that we're supposed to work out our salvation but when it comes to god we don't have to all of a sudden work our way up to something We're all at the same place, and he sees us all exactly the same way. There are some things that we say, and we probably shouldn't say them. Have you ever met that woman? Yeah, I met her. Man, she's so close to God. I'm sure God hears her when she breathes. They're so close. I want to be that close someday. No, you already are. You're in an equal standing with God. The problem is that some of us don't grasp it. And that's one of his concerns in this whole passage of 1 Peter, 2 Peter, is he wants them to grasp all that they are and all that they should be because of the righteousness of Jesus. So who is Peter? We're going to do just a little history lesson on Peter. It's like we're opening up a scrapbook. We're going to look at a couple scrapbook pages, see what Jesus, he's like. We're introduced to Peter in John chapter 1, and the introduction is interesting because John the Baptist is standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked by, and he said, Behold, there is the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. And Jesus saw that they were following and said to them, who are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which is translated to te- teacher, where are you staying? In other words, they were disciples of John the Baptist. John the Baptist explained out that that was the Messiah, and so they decided they wanted to change teams. And they said to him, Rabbi, where are you staying? He <coughs> He said to them, Come and you will see. So they came and saw that he was where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two of them who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. Okay, so one of Peter's brothers met Jesus and spent time with Jesus. So in verse 41, he first found his own brother Simon and said to them, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. So after spending time with Jesus, he went home and he told his brother Peter, I think we found the Messiah. Now we do know this about Peter. Peter's a good Jewish man. He grew up in a Jewish household. And in a good Jewish household, every Jewish boy went to rabbinic school when he was about eight years old. And he would study the first five books of the Bible. In fact, not only would he study the first five books of the Bible, but he was supposed to memorize the first five books of the Bible. That's what they all did. And then they would talk about the first five books of the Bible, and they would be told what different people thought about the first books five books of the Bible, because even during that time, religious leaders did not have their own opinions. They always quoted somebody else. And so that's the, the world that Peter grew up in. And when Peter was about 12 or 13, about the time that we would bar mitzvah if we were in Jewish society today, the rabbi sat down with Peter and he explained something to Peter. He said, Peter, Peter, thank you for coming to rabbinic school. You've been a good student and I've been thinking a lot about you and I think you're going to be a great fisherman. Basically what he said to Peter at that age was, I am pretty sure that you're not going to be a rabbi. And so instead of continuing, you know, and David, you're a coach. Occasionally you have a kid running, and after one season of running, you, you go up to him and you put your arm around him and you say, I think you would be really good on the Science Olympiad team. Because you do not have any skills here, <laughs> you know, he, he, he didn't make the cut. He, he looked at the list and he, he didn't get to play the basketball game. He didn't get to be a starter. They said to him, "I think you would make a great manager." They didn't even want him on the ball court. The only reason they wanted him to touch the ball is so he could put it back in the little rack and roll it out of the way after practice. But that's what he was told. But he was still a good Jewish man. And so when he heard this idea that Messiah had been found, he was kind of excited. So in the next verse it says, So Andrew brought him to Jesus, and Jesus looked at him and said, Simon, the son of John, you shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. So on that day... First time he ever met Jesus, Jesus looked at him and he saw the potential for who he could be in his kingdom and he changed his name. And you know what happened next? Peter went home and went fishing again. That's what we know that happened. Even though he had this great introduction to Jesus and he was told about his potential, about who he could be in Jesus, he he took that Great opportunity of standing before Messiah and decided to just keep on doing what he always did. Some of us did that to Jesus in our lives, didn't we? Somebody introduced us to Jesus and we looked at them and said, I'm glad that works for you. Someone introduces us to Jesus and we were introduced to Jesus and, and we just kind of went back to the pattern of our own life. It was like, well, that was kind of interesting. So what did you do yesterday? I don't know I Saw this guy and he gave me a new name and well that's kind of cool. What are you gonna do with it? Nothing. My my dreams are about fishing. I'm gonna have the biggest fishing company in all of Galilee. Someday I'm gonna catch so many fish that I'm gonna be able to buy whatever I want. Because that's what I want to do. Because my name is Simon. And I catch fish. So that's his introduction to Jesus. And, 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 you know, I think that we get this idea that when Jesus called people to be his disciples, they all just went, cool. And I'm in. But that's not what Peter did. Peter met Jesus, Jesus talked about his potential. And Peter went back to fishing. And, and we understand that. In fact, that should be an encouragement to some of us. Because we have introduced some people to Jesus, and we have passionately explained who they could be in Christ. And they went, great, I'm going to stay doing what I'm doing. Glad that works for you. So, a while later, there's a second meeting that Peter has with Jesus. And you, this is one of my favorite passages. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the, the word, he was standing by the lake of Genesaret, which is another name for Galilee, and he saw two boats by the lake. But the fishermen were gone out of them, and they were washing their nets, because in Galilee, the best time to fish was at night. How many of you had dads or someone that loved fishing and they talked to you about these crazy times of the day you got to go fishing? Okay? Yeah, you know, the, you know the drill. So they fished at night because that's when real fishermen fished. And they were washing their nets, they were done. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked them to put out a little way from the land. And he sat down and taught the people from the boat. <coughs> Probably you don't know this, but the way this land is around the Sea of Galilee is it all is just, you know, kind of gradual climbs to almost, it'd be kind of like being, I don't know, it'd be... Like being on the shore where you watched it and there was just this natural climb so that it would be kind of create a natural amphitheater so all the people could sit. And if Jesus was in the boat, that would be like the perfect stage. And the other thing that's interesting in reading about this passage is that there is a natural echo that comes off water onto land. And so it almost worked like a natural PA system for Jesus to talk. But you've got to remember what's going on here. Peter's been up all night dreaming about fish, right? And it sounds like it didn't go well. In fact, we'll find out that it didn't go well. And all of a sudden, the next day, somebody wants to be in his boat. Now, for him to be in that boat, Peter had to be in the boat too. So the whole time Jesus is talking, Peter's in the boat too, and he is making sure the boat stays straight making sure that this works out. So Peter is already worked all night. Now he has to work again. <coughs> when Jesus was finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Now, what did Jesus do for a living? He made tables and chairs and stools. Was someone that ran a carpentry business. And now he was telling Simon the fisherman, Let's go fishing at the wrong time of the day. Simon answered, Master, we have toiled all night and took nothing, but, as your, but at your word I will let down the nets. Now, for some reason, he was impressed enough with Jesus that he was willing to do what he said. And when they, when they had done this, <coughs> they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. I, I can't imagine this moment for Simon the fisherman. Can you? Awesome moment. My dream is coming true. Except for there's one thing that's changed. Jesus was never in the boat in my dream. Just fish were in the boat in my dream. They signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and they filled both boats so that they began to sink. We're talking a lot of fish. And when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at his, at Jesus' knees saying, depart from me, I'm a sinful man, O Lord. You know why? Because this was a miracle that was not supposed to happen. And all of a sudden when what you dreamt about became a miracle. You were more enamored with the miracle maker than what you dreamt about. And when he met Jesus, and he really saw Jesus, he was completely undone. I am a sinful man. These are the same words that are used in the book of Isaiah when they saw the Lord, Remember? And he remembered, I am a man of unclean lips. And, and we've had that meeting with Jesus. Okay, so he was introduced to Jesus before, but now all of a sudden it's changed. He has seen God. And some of you have had that come to that point in your life where you have seen God, haven't you? And all of a sudden in that moment where you really saw God and you really saw who he was, you realize you had some major issues in your life, didn't you? And you realized that you were a sinner, and that that was a problem. You know, you are surrounded by people that have not met God yet, and they have no problems with their sin. Have you noticed that? You might be bothered by their sin, but they are not at all bothered by their sin. But when you meet Jesus, all of a sudden you're aware of your sinfulness, and you're bothered by your sinfulness. Depart from me, Lord, because you're holy and. I am not holy. You read on in the story and it says, And he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of the fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of David, who were his partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching men. He didn't tell him to stop being a fisherman. He just told him that he had a bigger fish to fish for. And when they brought their boats to the land, they left everything and they followed Jesus. That's amazing. When I think about that story, that's amazing because this was the change point in Peter's life where he stopped negotiating with God and he stopped saying, that's just fine, but I'm Simon, a fisherman. All of a sudden, from this point on, he's either going to be called Simon Peter or he's going to just be called Peter in Scripture. He's going to be called what God saw in him instead of just what he was before he saw God. Another story, another picture of his life. So in a couple chapters we find out that Jesus spent all night praying, and when the day came, he called his disciples, and he chose 12 of them, whom he named apostles. And guess who's first on the list? Simon, whom he named Peter. He was first on the list. All the other disciples, but for some reason... In every list of every time the apostles are ever mentioned, Simon's always first. He's first on the list. And so he goes from being just simply a follower of Jesus to someone that God has a plan for. And that's what is true in each one of our lives. That God wants us to do simply more than follow Him. It tells us that in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, it says, For you have been saved by grace, and it is not of yourself. This is a gift of God so that no one can boast. But then verse 10 says this, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he created in advance for us to do. So it's not enough that we are followers of Jesus Christ, but he has a job for us. And that's what we see in the life of Peter. So then, just a couple more stories from his life. You know this one. Jesus comes walking on the water. You know this story. What does Peter say? Peter says, can I do it? Can I play? He's seeing this feat of faith, and he wants to join into faith. And so he walks on the water. Is he good at it? No. As you read on in this passage, you find out that he is not good at it at all. He says, Lord, command me to come to you on the water. I'm going to stay on the stage for some reason. It does not like me at the bottom. And he said, come. Come. Peter got out of the boat, and he walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and he began to sink, and he cried, Lord, save me. It's such a beautiful picture of, God, can I play? God says, yes, come. And Then in the middle of it, we get kind of caught up in everything, and we start drowning at it, and we cry out to God, and he always saves us. You know, we can be critical of Peter here, but there are 11 other disciples. How many got out of the boat? You see just the zeal of Peter. He is a man that is impulsive and wonderful, and you see that in the story. In in another passage, it, we find that 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 the disciples thought he was the Son of God, but later on we find out that he was a spokesman, and Jesus went with the disciples to the villages of Cicero Philippi, and on the way he asked them, Who do the people say I am? And he told them John the Baptist, and others said Elijah, and others said one of the prophets. And then he said to them, But who do you say that I am? And Peter said, You are the Christ. So he's a follower of Christ, right? He's obedient to Christ. He, he takes risks for Christ. He's a spokesman for Christ. But he's also a denier. After an interval of an hour still, another insisted, certainly this man was with him, for he too is a Galilean. But Peter said, man, I do not know what you are talking about. Immediately while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter, and Peter remembered say, the saying of the Lord, before the rooster crows today, he will deny me three times. And he went out, and he wept bitterly. And I could tell a hun- on other stories about Peter. We know that Jesus Christ met personally with him after he raised from the dead and he restored him and he asked him to get back to work, right? He says, if you love me, you'll feed my sheep. We know in Acts 2 that it's Peter that when the Holy Spirit comes, Peter's the one who's the spokesman, isn't he? He gives that great sermon in Acts 2 that starts by quoting Joel talking about the dreams and visions that were key verses to our last year. Well, we, we know that he's the one that follows Jesus. We we know that he and another one of Jesus' followers was thrown into jail, and, and, and God did a jailbreak, right? While they were praising God. When they showed up at the prayer meeting where they are praying for their release, and the little girl wouldn't let him in. Remember that story? And we know now, that Peter is at the end of his life, and maybe he's not as impulsive as he was in the Gospels. He was transformed by the Gospel, and yet he's saying that each one of us is at an equal standing in faith with him. Is that not amazing? So the question comes down to this Every one of us has an I was, right? Every one of us. All of us have our Simon moments, right? I was Simon, okay? And now we have to decide the second one. I am. What are you? Have you made the transition? Or have you just been introduced to Jesus and went, I'm glad that works for you. Or have you gone through this process of walking in faith and watching God begin to transform you are you maybe caught up in a moment right now where you remember there's a time where you denied Jesus and it was like almost you could see him looking at you from the cross and you're caught up in that moment and you are sure that God can never use you again I've had a lot of people say that to me oh God could never use me why not because and it's something that I am it's not something that I was it's how I see myself now. Do you see yourself right now, someone that God can't use? How do you see yourself? What can we learn from Peter? And the last one is, I will be. And that's what the book of Peter is all about. The book of Second Peter is about saying that he wants us to grow in something so that we will be more of something than we already are. That's what he wants for us. He wants us to be more aware that there are people that are going to try to um, shipwreck our faith. And he doesn't want that to happen. So he says, this is what I want you to be. But you have to go back to that introduction. When you enter into not just any crowd but a Christian crowd and you're giving a couple lines to say who you are and if they ask you how's your faith going or, or what's your story or what's going on, what are you going to say? What are those sentences? Do you have an I was? I once was. I, I, Bob Appleton always calls it the BC days. Before Christ, I was this. Now I, I am becoming this, but I know and I believe that I will be this. But where are you in the process? If you've never asked Jesus to be your personal Savior, I can't do it for you. There's a reason you need a Savior. There's another S word that goes along with that. Sinner. You see, we make choices that are rebellion against authority, but especially the most important authority, which is God. And even though God is loving, he's fair. He has to punish you. And the punishment for sin in Romans says, for the wages of sin, the punishment for sin is death. It goes on though and says this, but the gift of life... The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ alone. Romans six twenty three. If you've never asked Jesus to be your Savior, this could be your moment. This could be your day. You could move from being just introduced to God to being a follower of Jesus Christ. But that's your decision, and it starts by you having to admit what God is telling you about yourself, which is I am a sinner and I need to be forgiven, and only God can forgive you so that you can have a relationship with God. If you haven't done that, today is your day. But for the rest of you, where are you in this process? I hope that you are moving towards an I will be life that continues to magnify the Lord more and more together instead of a life that's somehow caught up in the I am of not becoming all that you are yet. Let's pray. This is your moment with God. If you don't have a relationship with Him, this is where you could ask Him to be your Savior. It's as simple as a prayer that says, please forgive me, I'm a sinner. I need you to be my Savior. For the rest of you, Is there some moment in your life that's the history that is keeping you from becoming what you should be next? Talk to the Lord about what He's telling you right now. Some of you need to be praying that you began your relationship, some of you other need to pray because you're stuck or you can't believe that you can be who you called to be. It's time to grasp. God's promises. Dear God, Peter was saved by you because he believed who you were. Peter was changed by you because he believed who you were and who you could make him to be. We pray the same for ourselves, that we will believe who we can be, and we will move more towards a deeper relationship with you, either beginning it or continuing in it. We pray this in your name, amen. We'll let you go today. Let's figure out how we can continue to grow. And I encourage you to read through Second Peter and track with the story of this great message, really, some believe his last sermon that he ever preached or wrote out to a group of people. I think he has some neat things to say to us, and I'm glad that we're going to do this life together and that he'll get to say them to us. So let's stand together, let's love on each other, and let's have a great week.